Hello everyone, welcome to this weekend's worship at CBL. My name is Tim Spiegelberg. It's my privilege to be the pastor right here at Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado. Uh, overjoyed that you're joining us this weekend. As always, start out with just a few announcements, things that are going on in and around at CBL. Uh, first is a, is a big thank you to Pastor Teal from over in Boulder. Uh, he substitute preached for me the last couple Sundays, so um, due to a, an ACL surgery. So recuperation is going well, but I wanted to thank Pastor Teal for doing that. Uh, second thing is, is our ladies group super silent auction is coming real quick. Uh, February 6th through 27th, we're going to have all kinds of items that you're going to be able to, to bid on. And all of the proceeds from the super silent auction are going to go towards helping uh, the ladies group be able to do any and all the activities that they do in any given year. So uh, watch your email for that. You're going to find a link very easy to, uh, to simply bid online, completely digital, and uh, it goes to a good cause, helps, helps those ladies uh, continue doing the wonderful ministry that they're doing. Uh, last but not least, uh, this week we're announcing our Love Local campaign, and this is a, a one that we're pretty excited about. Uh, we applied for and received a grant from our Board for Home Missions and Christian Aid and Relief. Um, boil it down, what we're going to be able to do as a local congregation is, is put $10,000 worth of, of gift cards to local restaurants back into our local community. Um, and we're doing that for a couple of reasons. Number one, we know the pandemic has hit people uh, remarkably hard. Um, there's lots of need that's out there. Uh, but second of all, some of our small businesses are also in dire need, especially restaurants who have kind of disproportionately been hit with uh, the economic impacts of this pandemic. So uh, as a congregation, uh, we're going to do our part. We're going to try to give back, put, put some dollars and, and some smiles on people's faces here locally. Um, we're going to be doing that in two different ways. Number one, it's going to come directly through you as CBL members. So if you've got a family member or a friend that's lost a job, had hours cut back, maybe you know a first responder that's been working crazy amounts of hours, uh, maybe just a mom or a dad that now uh, have turned into stay-at-home teachers and have all their kids and kiddos at home. Um, any and all of those are great ideas and great people that you could send one of these gift cards to. Uh, so we've got um, multiple gift cards to seven different uh, local restaurants that we're trying to help out. Uh, and so we're going to have those note cards and those gift cards at in-person worship at CVL. You're welcome to grab one. Write a little note of thanks. Just say, hey, no, it's been a tough year. Here's a gift on behalf of our church. Um, hope it puts a smile on your face uh, and be able, be able to give those out. So that's the one way that we're going to be kind of maximizing some of our existing relationships and helping out and loving our neighbor. Uh, the other way is we're going to be taking nominations directly from our community. So um, people within our community are going to be able to nominate family and friends and those that may be suffering. Uh, we're going to simply send them a, 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 the gift card and a note card and, uh, and kind of brighten their day a little bit, maybe give them a, a night out. And, uh, and all of that money um, stays kind of hyper-local. So it's going to help those seven small businesses right here in Carbon Valley. So uh, we're excited to have this program. Um, we're simply trying to be good neighbors, love the people that we live with because we love the community that we live with. I uh, pray that you, you want to be a part of that. Uh, you're going to find all the details in your bulletin and any of our other announcements as well at the end of our bulletin. And certainly if you've got any questions on this program, you can just uh, shoot me a text or an email and I'm happy to kind of, kind of walk you through exactly how it's going to go. So. 
So without further ado, let's begin the worship of our Lord then this weekend. Uh, you're going to be able to find all of our, our service, our simplified at-home worship service um, on your screen or at the, in the bulletin that you're going to find at the same link that you're finding this video. And um, that should help you follow along for the worship of our Lord this weekend. Our theme this weekend is Hearts in Motion. So we're going to ask ourselves, um, how, do, how are our hearts put in motion as believers? How are they kept in motion? And for what purpose has God done that for us? So um, that's going to be the theme that we're looking at as we, we talk about our hearts in motion. So let's begin the worship of our Lord then this weekend. We'll begin with our invocation and confession. And uh, as always, you can follow along in your bulletin or on your screen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him, deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. And you're welcome to join along with me at home or uh, with whomever you may have in your household. We'll speak these words together. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways, I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, God, your Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. Now may God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, as we feel the momentum of life slow and at times grind to a halt, be with us. Let your sacrifice, love, and forgiveness be what drives our view of heaven and how we treat those in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. At this time, we'll continue with our children's lessons. So uh, if you've got little ones running around the house, this is a perfect time to gather them together because I've got a gospel message that's intended just for them. Hi kids, welcome to our children's lesson this week. I'm happy that you're joining me. I brought something along for you and I'm wondering if you have one of these at home. You got one of those? Skateboard, right? This is just a little one. This is called a penny board. This one I think is my son Drew's. But do you have, do you have a skateboard at home? Do you like to skateboard? What's the most important part of a skateboard, do you think? The top's kind of important, right? Because that's where you put your feet. And maybe these little shock things right here are kind of important as well. But my guess is the most important thing about a skateboard and what makes a skateboard work are the wheels, right? They're the wheels. That's what helps you move, right? Well, that's maybe a really good example for us in our lives. See, Jesus helps us move and helps us spin, right? Now, how does he do that as Christians? Well, he does that by forgiving us. And here's how that sometimes work, works. If somebody gets really angry with you 
or you get really angry with somebody else, I bet you it feels as though things kind of stop moving, right? So maybe you've got a, a best friend and you just stop talking to them. Or maybe it's a brother or a sister or even a mom or a dad and, and things just kind of grind to a halt and the skateboard stops moving and the relationship stops moving and it just sits there. Well, a skateboard's not a whole lot of good if it doesn't move, right? But that's where Jesus comes in. See, Jesus forgives us and asks us to ask for forgiveness. So Jesus comes in and we're able to ask for forgiveness and he gets us moving again. It's like, it's like getting a push on a skateboard. Jesus pushes us in motion as believers. And so um, when we know that we are forgiven in Jesus, he helps us move. And then that allows us to forgive others and it allows those relationships to grow and to, to blossom and to bloom, right? That's the really wonderful thing we see in our text here today. Jesus talks about um, setting our, our hearts in motion, but not just for skateboarding to King Supers or to Ziggy's. Specifically, Jesus talks about that he's got a really important thing for us to do as believers, to take that forgiveness that we know we have and to share it with other people. Now, you could do that on a skateboard. You could do that in a car. You could do that in a mission church like you're part of here at CVL. You could do that um, through sharing Jesus with your friends at school, maybe with your family members. But Jesus wants us to take that forgiveness and not just hold it tight, but he wants us to go with it. Listen to this from the book of Mark. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, Jesus said that's why he came, was to go from town to town and heart to heart and person to person, sharing that good news of forgiveness. And guess what? Jesus isn't physically with us right now, and so he uses us to share that good news, that message of forgiveness, with people that don't know about him yet. Let's fold our hands in prayer. Dear Jesus, we ask that you continue to be with us. Help us take that message of forgiveness Help us share it with those that may not know about Jesus and be with us in the coming week. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming, kids. And this time we continue by uh, reading our selections for this weekend. Our Old Testament reading is taken from Job chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. And this is kind of a little snippet from the book of Job. And if you know that book of Job, you know that um, Job is incredibly blessed um, and then loses everything, but in the end actually gains everything back, um, but stays faithful to God throughout that up and that down. In the point of our text here today, we see that Job's life has on some level kind of ground to a halt, and yet he holds on to his faith in his God above. So let's read Job chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Do not mortals have hard service on earth? Are not their days like those of hired laborers, like a slave longing for the evening shadows or a hired laborer waiting to be paid? So I have been allotted months of futility and nights of misery have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on and I toss and turn until dawn. My body is clothed with worms and scabs. My skin is broken and festering. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. Remember, O oh God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. This is the word of our Lord. 
And our gospel text for this weekend is taken from Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 29 through 39. This will be what our sermon is based on this weekend as well. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go someplace else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of our Lord. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Happy that you're joining me here this week, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, what it means to have hearts that are in motion, set in motion by Christ, and, and continuing in that motion um, in our Christian living. So that's, that's going to be kind of our theme, what we're going to look at here today. Um, but one of the most fascinating things that I saw when we, we talk about that concept of motion or the physics of it um, came when we took a family vacation to the Kennedy Space Center. So um, my in-laws have a place in Florida, and so at the time we were living in Toronto, and, and uh, most Canadians try to find someplace warm to go in the winter. Uh, we, got to go to, we got to go to Florida, and, and on that specific trip, we got to go tour the Kennedy Space Center. And if you've ever been there, it's, it's just incredible. In fact, I'd encourage you to go. It's, it was one of my favorite trips. And and there's just incredible things to look at, right? More than I could even list, but, um, but we're talking about space exploration and we're talking about um, some of the, the brightest, smartest, most uh, um, ingenious minds that our world has ever held and, and, and kind of the, the products that they had put together for that space exploration. So it was a fantastic trip with our kids. They were little, they loved it. We got to run all over the campus. But one of the most fascinating parts of that trip or, or that visit um, was a Kugel fountain. Now, I don't know if you know that that's what the name of it was, but basically it's this huge granite rock that was suspended on a very um, thin sheet of water that was pumped up from below it. Now, you maybe yeah, didn't know that they were called Kugel fountains. Kugel is the German word for ball. Right, but uh, you've probably seen them around from time to time. In fact, here in Colorado, I know there's one down uh, at the Lakewood Mall. I think there's one at CU in Boulder as well. And so you've maybe seen these around. Uh, they're, they're kind of popular, but in essence, it, it's, it's a huge, heavy granite ball, and it is suspended in kind of a, a cup, uh, and then water, high pressure water, is, is pumped through the base of it. And what it does is it, it makes that ball. Um, be suspended on top of that water just ever so slightly. And what it also does is it allows uh, uh, someone with very little effort to be able to push and get that ball spinning. So I remember that uh, with my kids and, and our little ones were there and, and just these little kids could push this thousands of pound granite ball 
and it would start slowly spinning and faster and faster and faster. And the most amazing part of it was once it started spinning, it just kept going because there was very little friction, right? Simply suspended on a very thin sheet of water. So these Kugel fountains are pretty uh, amazing things to see. They're, they're wonderful examples of physics, right? Uh, of, of what we can do with, with that water and, and how to move something that's incredibly heavy with it. Um, the biggest Kugel fountain in the wor world is actually located in Richmond, Virginia. So if you've ever gone to the Science Museum in Richmond, Virginia, out front is the world's largest Kugel fountain. That, this one's called the Grand Kugel, which makes a little bit of sense. So the one in Richmond, Virginia is about nine feet uh, across. It weighs 29 tons, which is about 58,000 pounds of solid granite. So it's just, it's just remarkable, right? So something that is that big can be moved by a child. But if everything isn't exactly right, if the water stops, if there's an imperfection, if anything changes, that incredibly heavy ball grinds to a halt. No more forward momentum, no more motion, no more, no more ease of, of amazement, right? It simply stops moving. I think it serves as maybe a pretty good illustration uh, for maybe what we've been feeling uh, on some level this past year. Uh, we are in the midst of a pandemic, and I, I think, if anything, it has brought uh, and, and given us the reality of how interconnected we are and all of the structures of our society are, are interconnected, right? Because as soon as one thing starts to grind to a halt, it's amazing how many other cascading effects come into play. It's amazing how many other things start to grind to a halt as well. I think maybe you've felt that. Um, I think it would be safe to say that our nation has lost a little bit of its momentum over the last year. And if you've ever been in a small business um, or, or on a sports team or, or even within a church, you know how important momentum is, right? In fact, for, for us as human beings, on some level, we want to be a part of something that is moving, that is progressing, that has motion, that has positive momentum, right? How many of us want to sign up for something that has ground to a halt? And the reality of trying to start something in motion after it's already stopped moving, right? Newton's first law comes into play, right? An object that's in motion tends to stay in motion. An object that's at rest tends to stay at rest. And if anything, I think this past year has made us feel as though we are grinding to a halt rather than continuing in motion. So if you felt that, I know you have, I have, um, I think it's good for us to ask ourselves uh, um, what do we do with that as believers? And what does that mean for the life of a believer? Because the reality of it is, life is not just a, a, a pure upward trajectory of motion straight until God takes us to eternity. See, the life of a believer and each of us is a series of mo mo momentum, motion, and at times, grinding halts. And so that's what we want to look at here today from our text in Mark. Uh, we're going to follow the disciples and Jesus early in his ministry. And on some level, we could maybe talk a little bit about momentum of Jesus' ministry. Because uh, at the beginning of his ministry, uh, momentum is increasing, right? He's healing people. Um, people are coming to see him. Uh, people want to see him. 
His disciples feel that. And, and on some level, I think Peter in our text today feels that momentum and desperately wants to capitalize on it. But what's really fascinating about our text here today is that Jesus doesn't necessarily play that momentum game. In fact, he walks at a pace that is completely different at times than the pace of the world around him. And we're going we're gonna to glean from that as well today because uh, we want to ask ourselves, how can we as believers with one foot in this world and one foot in eternity um, still weather uh, the, the grinding halts and the momentum of our daily lives? And so let's jump into our text here this weekend. And it's a continuation of the last few texts. So if you were following along with us, we had the privilege of listening to Pastor Teal uh, preach on those texts for us. Um, today's text takes place uh, immediately after last week's. And so at this point, Jesus had gone to the synagogue. He had driven out a demon. Um, people had proclaimed and, and were amazed by Jesus' teaching that it had power, that this was a teaching that they had not heard heard before. And the, the sad side of that is, is that they simply hadn't heard the gospel. <laughs> well, now they're hearing it and they're recognizing Jesus' power and his authority. And so straight from there, Jesus is going to go to Peter's house. And remember, they're in the town of Capernaum. So Capernaum uh, is on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, some people have even called Capernaum the, the kind of the northern home base of Jesus and his disciples. Many of his Early disciples, his first disciples were called um, from the town of Capernaum. And we know that Peter, also named Simon Peter, uh, his house where he lived was in this city of Capernaum. What's kind of a fascinating aside, which Pastor Teal shared with us last week, is that uh, we have pretty good evidence that Peter's house, um, that we actually have the ruins of Peter's house in Capernaum. So if you've ever been to Israel uh, or to Capernaum, you maybe have seen uh, the ruins of Peter's house. Uh, there was an ancient church that was built on top of the ruins of a house, and that church claimed that that was Peter's house. And then they actually excavated into the ruins beneath it, and they found ancient graffiti that also identified that as Peter's house. So um, we're, we're pretty sure that that was actually where Peter lived with his wife and his mother-in-law and his family. Um, that's where the events of our text for today take place. And so as we jump into it, we want to talk about that concept of hearts in motion. So what puts our hearts in motion, what grinds them to a halt, and ultimately what keeps them moving. And we're going to look at Peter and how he is um, on some level tapping into this feeling of momentum that Jesus and his miracles and their ministry was beginning to have. Um, we'll see it's interesting how Peter reacts to that. So let's jump into our text. It kind of neatly separates into two different sections. The first where Jesus is in Peter's home. Uh, the second where Jesus goes to a solitary place to pray. And so that's how we'll, we'll divide it out here today. I'm going to start by reading verses 29 through 31. It says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law, also Peter, uh, was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So now it's kind of a fascinating thing, isn't it? So Jesus leaves the synagogue and goes to, uh, to Simon Peter's home. And when they get there, they find that, that Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Now, we don't know how serious it is, but it seems to be, uh, at least contextually, um, that this was, was not just... 
um, I've got a little bit of a sniffle um, or even just maybe a passing flu that she was she was remarkably sick. Jesus comes into that house and into that household and all of the things that sickness bring with it. So uh, my guess is, is that the stress level of Simon's uh, house was similar to maybe what ours was. If you've got a, an ailing mother or father, the, the constant feeling of, of, of uh, stress that comes along with that, of, of a loved one being chronically ill, um, weighs on you every single day. And so Jesus enters into this house where Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And what's interesting is you look throughout Jesus' ministry and he never shies away from that. In fact, it's a really fascinating juxtaposition in our text today because he goes from the, the most public religious place in that community, in Capernaum, the synagogue. He goes as a, as a traveling rabbi. Um, he's performing miracles. Then he goes and he has dinner at Peter's house with Peter's mother-in-law. And that's a constant theme throughout Jesus' ministry. So whether it is the, the religious and cultural headquarters of Jerusalem or it's Nazareth where he grew up or a fishing village called Capernaum, Jesus never hesitated with getting into the lives of the people that he was there to save. And that's exactly what he does in our text. He comes to Peter's mother-in-law and he simply heals her. Now, what's amazing is that the text is actually remarkably straightforward, right? Uh, there's nothing fancy about it. He went to her, took her hand, helped her up, the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That's it. That's how simple it is. Right? But that shouldn't surprise us. Because when the Son of God walks into your home, he has the power over life and death and over a fever. And so Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And he must have been overjoyed, right? If Jesus was able to walk into our lives and simply take away every pain and every disease from us, the joy that would wash over us would just be incredible. Right? And yet, life doesn't always work that way, does it? In this instance, Jesus used his divine power to help Peter's mother-in-law. And yet in lots and lots of places and lots and lots of instances in the disciples' lives and in our lives, that's not necessarily what happens, is it? And so we intimately feel that pain. You remember that story about the Grand Kugel at the beginning of our sermon? Uh, that Grand Kugel was, was built, it was crafted in Germany, and they actually shipped it over to Richmond, Virginia to put it in place. And, and um, they put it up and they set it up, and everything was just incredibly meticulous because for a Kugel fountain to work, uh, the, the ball, the granite or, or um, marble, needs to be exactly uh, um, round, right? There can't be any imperfections in it at all. And then the cup that holds it on the bottom has to be equally perfect. And so um, um, expert craftsmen, craftsmen from Germany um, meticulously created that Kugel fountain, biggest in the world. They installed it, they set it up, they started up the water, and it worked, right? Um, 58,000 pounds of ball was spinning on a very thin layer of water, right? It was awesome. And it worked for a while, for about a year, right? And then all of a sudden they noticed in the ball 
what looked like a small crack, which is a little bit worrisome when you've got a nine-foot sphere floating on water. So this small crack they noticed, and, and at least at the beginning they thought, well, how much damage can a small crack do? Well, if any of you have ever owned a home and had a basement where water got in, water is really good at exploiting cracks. And so uh, the constant water pressure from below and that crack spinning over that water over time, it cracked more and more and more until about two years after it was installed, that, that grand kugel ground to a complete halt. No amount of water pressure, uh, nothing could make it move. It was 58,000 pounds of granite ball simply stopped, never to move again ground to a halt. It's maybe a good example at times for how our lives feel. And even the, the impact of sin within our lives, how sin can start with something so small, a minute crack, something that is almost imperceptible, something that we are, are quick to, to kind of gloss over and pass over as long as we can keep moving with our lives. And yet over time, Sin does what it does, and it increases, and it asks for more, and it drives us further and further away from our God above, and eventually, if it's let and given free reign, grinds our lives to a halt. Surely, Peter was feeling that, right? As Jesus walked into his household and his mother-in-law was sick. But maybe you do as well, right? The diagnosis of chronic disease, right? maybe cancer, maybe um, even limited time left on this earth, right? The, the pain and the suffering that comes along with it. Maybe it's arthritis. Maybe it's, it's any number of physical ailments that, that just poke and prod at us and weigh on us on a daily basis. You might be feeling it right now at home as you're watching this video, right? Maybe in the midst of this pandemic, which seems to magnify cracks that maybe were already there before, maybe it's economic struggles. Finances have become incredibly tight. Maybe you're a small business owner and your business has been shut down, not by your choice or by the market, but by the government, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you're just struggling to simply pay your rent, right? Not only at your business, but any small business owner knows that uh, their own homes are also tied up in that. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you went from two incomes to one. Maybe you went from one income to none. Maybe those hours have been cut back. Uh, in short, maybe you are feeling um, the grinding that comes with finances getting tighter and tighter day by day as slowly the water starts to rise above your chin. Maybe it's fracturing relationships. Maybe this pandemic has, has simply revealed some issues that were already there. Husbands and wives, how are you doing? Maybe not so great. You spend lots of time with one another, which is wonderful. But if you're fighting, if you're struggling, if you're not connected, it can be even harder, can't it? Relationships within our lives, within our world that start to fracture, right? Relationships that start to wither because they're not actually with one another. Maybe you're feeling that. Or maybe it's just the impact of sin. Sins that have been committed against you um, or sins that you have committed against others. Holding of grudges, anger, hatred, lust, jealousy, envy, 
all of these things which we think are so small and insignificant as long as the ball keeps rolling and as long as we have forward momentum and yet over time they grow larger and larger and larger until our relationships and our lives and sometimes even our faith simply grinds to a halt. If you feel like that, you're not alone because I think all of us, especially over this past year, have felt the loss of that momentum and, and how those cracks have been highlighted. Maybe that's why Peter wanted to hold on to Jesus so much in this moment after Jesus miraculously healed his mother-in-law. Because maybe uh, in this moment he felt, at least for a brief time, that momentum had restarted, that the pain and the fever of his mother-in-law was gone and that there could be a new day. I think we wish for the very same thing. We pray for the very same thing. Well, the good news is that's exactly what we have in Jesus. He may not physically be in our lives performing miracles, um, driving demons and, and fevers from our bodies, but Jesus entered our world, and this is the really remarkable thing, entered into our broken, fractured, ground-to-a-halt, sin-infected world and lives. He entered our world in order to set our hearts in motion. And he did that um, not by, by taking away disease or, or, or for us as believers, telling us that we're going to scam a smooth pass, path straight to eternity, but he did that first and foremost and primarily by taking the weight of sin upon his own shoulders and paying for them. All of those cracks, all of that sin that we have earned, Christ bore that upon his shoulders. He is the reason that our hearts are set in motion because he is the forgiveness that we have. He has paid the price which we could never do. Despite our best efforts, we can't get this ball rolling again, not spiritually, not eternally, not, and especially not to, eterni to heaven and, and to eternity. We needed somebody else. We needed someone far greater, far more perfect than you and I, and we have him, Jesus. In fact, that's why he's in Peter's house. That's why he's in our lives in, through his word, and that's why he's in your heart, to set our hearts in motion with the forgiveness that we know we have in him. Christ died and rose again so that we would know that our place and, and our destination is heaven. No matter how difficult this life may get, no matter how much momentum we feel we have or we've lost, one thing is never in doubt. Heaven is certain because of Jesus Christ. And so Christ is the reason why our Christian hearts are in motion. Peter wanted to hold on to that. I don't blame him, right? I think we would have as well. And you get a little bit of a, a glimpse into just how much Peter wanted to capitalize on this momentum uh, in the next few verses of our text. So let me read for you verses 35 through 39. It says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby by villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And it's kind of a fascinating interaction here. Um, and two things that we're going to look at specifically for the life of a Christian. We want to talk about um, um, keeping our hearts in motion. Jesus gives us the, the way to do that. 
so we look at prayer, but we also look at, at how important it is for us as believers to share the good news of Jesus with those who don't yet know him. Those two things. But you kind of notice right from the beginning how much Peter wants to, to capitalize on Jesus' momentum. Someone uh, I heard recently, a commentator, uh, said that in this moment, Peter was almost acting as, as one of Jesus' handlers, right? And we, we know the disciples have done that from time to time. Remember when they were shooing the children, the babies, away from Jesus? Said, well, he doesn't have time for that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't get it. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, right? So there's other times when the disciples had tried to be Jesus' handlers, right? And try to guide his momentum and his ministry. And we get a little sense that that's what Peter was trying to do here. He comes to Jesus and after Jesus, after they discover that Jesus is gone and they say to him, everyone is looking for you. And, and actually the, the text is probably even more uh, of an of a accusation than just, we thought you were missing. It was more of a, um, people want you, Jesus. Why in the world are you off in a solitary place praying by yourself? And I think we get it. Because understand, Peter, the disciples are being chosen. Jesus is at the synagogue driving out demons, and, and his message is having an impact. People say he's got authority and he's got power and he's, he's becoming popular, right? And this is happening in Peter's hometown, in Simon's hometown of Capernaum. He then goes and heals Simon's mother-in-law, which he would have been overjoyed about. So you can, you can imagine what Simon Peter would have liked to have had done. Let's set up shop, Jesus. We've got momentum. People are, are flocking to you. Let's keep healing people. Let's do it right here in my hometown. Let's... let's Establish your ministry right here, right now. All the wonderful things that are going to come from it. But what's pretty remarkable is that Jesus pushes back. And this is not the only time that he does it with Peter. It may be one of the first times, but he does so other times throughout his ministry. See, because here's the reality. Jesus moves at a speed that is all his own and at times is, is in opposition to the speed of the world around him. Because remember, right now, Jesus' popularity is on the rise. And maybe um, in an earthly sense, people would say he's a rising star. Momentum is going through the roof. But we know how quickly that changed. How quickly uh, voices that were calling out Hosanna in the highest changed to crucify, crucify him. And he is killed outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And so earthly momentum comes and goes. But Jesus operates at a speed that is all his own. And in this moment, he takes time to simply go pray. And if we think this is a little bit of an aside, it's not. Think about almost every big event that happens in Jesus' ministry. He almost always is found praying. And not just a little one-off in the car on the way to work, right? But extensive amounts of prayer where he goes to his God and, and communicates with God the Father. Where he lays himself at the foot of God the Father. Where he asks God the Father for strength for what is in front of him. And I think it's an incredible example for us as believers of the power of prayer. I think far too often our prayer life is the last thing on our minds or the first thing to go when our lives start to grind to a halt. And when we look at Christ, we see the exact opposite. In fact, when things got difficult and when things started to grind and momentum started to, to shift, Jesus doubled down, doubles down on prayer. He goes to God the Father above and asks God to be with him through the difficulties, through the pain, and through the struggle. 
think it's a wonderful example for us as believers. Our hearts are set in motion by Christ, but they're kept in motion through Him and our connection to Him through prayer. The most important thing and impressive thing, I think, at the end of this text is that Jesus says, I didn't set your hearts in motion to just sit. In a sense, he says, I didn't set your hearts in motion, Peter, to just for us just to remain here in Capernaum. And God hasn't done that for us as well. Jesus says, I must go on. Others need to hear this message that sins are forgiven. And that's the same reality for you and I, brothers and sisters. We live in a world where momentum uh, during this pandemic feels as though it's grinding to a halt. And so it is more important than ever for us as believers to show what true hearts in motion look like, to share Christ, to share forgiveness, to love our neighbor as ourself, to reach out to those that are hurting and are suffering. It is more important than ever for us to go from town to town, from soul to soul, from neighbor to neighbor, from community to community, and share the good news that Jesus Christ has died for the sins of all. It was a powerful point Jesus was making with his disciples at the beginning of their ministry. The power of prayer and the importance of mission, of sharing Jesus Christ with those who don't yet know him. And that's important for us here at CBL. We're in the midst of a building project, right? And it could be very easy for us to simply sit back and say, look at us, what a wonderful building. We're so proud of what we've done. And yet none of that is truly what matters, is it? A building is nothing more than a tool, a tool that we get to use to be able to share Jesus with people that don't know about him yet. That's the point Jesus is making to his disciples, and it's the very same point he makes to us here today. So I don't know how your life is going during the pandemic. I don't know if your momentum is on an upswing or a downswing. I don't know how excited you are about vaccinations and reopenings and lowering levels of viruses, virus transmission, and all of those things. But my guess is before the end of this, we're going to feel some ups and some downs. But here's the good news that we have as believers that we get to hear and are reminded of on a regular basis, that our hearts have been set in motion, not because of the circumstances around us, but because of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Pray the Lord continues to walk with you with those hearts that are in motion. Go to your Lord in prayer as we... As we um, Endure the difficulties that come in our lives. And most importantly, share the good news of Christ with a world that at times feels and looks as though it's grinding to a halt. Pray the Lord blesses your message this coming week, um, your coming work week. Pray that he continues to give you opportunity to share that life-saving message, that um, heart-moving message that sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Amen. And now we continue with our offering. As always, we thank you in advance for your generosity, uh, your donations given from hearts that are, are driven by thankfulness to your God above. Um, those offerings help us share Jesus with our community. Uh, it helps us go from town to town, community to community, uh, so that others know and hear about the, life, the life-giving message of Jesus. So uh, thank you for those donations. You're welcome to give either online, which many of our members do, or you're also welcome to send those offerings directly to us uh, at the address that you'll see on your screen. This weekend, we have a few 
individuals and situations we want to remember in our prayers. Uh, the first is we're, we want to say a prayer for anyone that may be feeling increasingly isolated during this extended pandemic um, and all the things that kind of cascade from that. So uh, increased depression, abuse, all of those kind of things. So uh, we're going to ask that the Lord is with those who may be feeling that and feeling the weight and burden of that. And also that the Lord gives us opportunity to be there for someone that may be struggling. Um, second, we also want to keep my daughter Tatum in our continued prayers as she uh, kind of continues to struggle with her autoimmune disease. Uh, we'll ask that the Lord gives her strength, um, helps her body continue to kind of gain some strength and ultimately uh, look for answers from those doctors and nurses. So let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord, this weekend we increasingly are seeing the cascading effects of what a shutdown can mean. Um, when a nation loses momentum, lots and lots of people are hurt. Uh, we see that in the increased isolation, those that are lonely, those that, that uh, simply uh, are lacking those relational connections and how hard that is on our psyches. Uh, for those that may be suffering from mental health uh, issues, from depression, um, those that may be subject to abuse within their homes, Lord, we simply ask that you be with us all and any of those that may feel increasingly isolated during this pandemic. Be with them, remind them that they are loved, that they are forgiven, and it is in fact for them and for this broken world that you came into our world. Lord, we also boldly ask that you give us opportunities to wrap our arms around those that may be suffering and may be, may be alone. Uh, give us hints and signs and opportunities to reach out um, and, and to be, be strong for those that are weak um, and to help those that may feel as though all, are, all is lost. Lord, we ask that you continue to be with my daughter Tatum as she um, struggles under the weight of her autoimmune disease. Um, continue to be with her, give her strength of body and soul and spirit. Um, and we also ask that you guide the doctors and nurses that, that um, work on her behalf and, and give, her a, uh, give her care as well. So we just ask that you be with her um, and with all those that are involved. Now, Lord, hear us as we bring you our personal prayers and petitions. And now you're welcome to join along with me as we speak the words of the Lord's Prayer. You're welcome to, to speak those words together with whomever you have in your household. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks for joining us again this weekend. May the Lord bless your upcoming week and we'll see you again here next week.